Hey folks, welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast. Samuel Arora here. I'm the host of the Driving Force on Disney Plus Hotstar. Joined by Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. There's only one question on our minds today. There's only one question on our minds for the last 24 hours. And it's, just, it's all just about how good was this race? Ah, oh, Kunal, just how good was this race? I, I have been thinking so much about it and there's no other thought that comes to my head. It's crazy that this is just what peak Formula 1 can look like. Two stalwarts of the game just fighting it out against each other using proper racing psychology. There's no ifs or buts to it. No stewards, no penalties, nothing like that. Just fun racing. This is what it should all be about. Fun ra- it should be fun racing. Also, not too much about tyre management. Not too much about race strategy, although there were lots of things happening in the back, which we shall talk about. But what an opening uh, week for Formula One week and one day because we had a double header, right? Uh, such uh, such interesting narratives and stories coming out of Bahrain and now Saudi Arabia. And uh, to me, Somal, the race was, you know, literally say three or four really highlight points, which we will look about. But maybe we should go get talking about the start and the safety mm. car period uh, and the dummy that Ferrari threw and Red Bull caught up, you know, because I thought Checo Perez had a fantastic start. I thought he was in control. I thought, wow, here's a race he's going to win on merit. Mm. Okay, because he got his pole on merit, which was a fantastic uh, pole lap. You know, he waited like 216 odd races to get his first pole position. But yeah, can you believe Red Bull racing of all the teams fell for that dummy? I mean, it's so crazy, right? They're the ones who often used to do it back in the day where they used to have the pit crew coming out during the Sebastian Vettel times and Ferrari used to always fall for it. The tide has changed so badly. But after that as well, Kunal, even when Perez fell off, we weren't short of any action at all because the way these guys were able to follow, that was just outstanding that I think all the way from the safety car to the very end, Verstappen and Leclerc were always just within a couple of seconds of each other, which when you think about it, is such a major upgrade from last year. It's a it's such a major upgrade, Sommel, that literally every driver interview I heard after the race was, you know, they were they were even though they had a bad race. So, for example, let's take Daniel Ricciardo. Even though he had a really bad race, he had a retirement, and the only highlight of his race literally was that he had the fastest pit stop for the second race in succession, right? But yeah. he said, "Oh my God, wow! Look at Leclerc! Look at Verstappen!" I can't believe that they can continue to fight for laps at end. He's like, I know we have the tools. I know these cars can race each other. I'll I'll personally take a step forward saying, I know the tires supported the racing in, in Saudi Arabia. And drivers like, you know, Ricardo were saying, I can't wait to join the fight. I can't wait to have the tools to join that fight. And hats off to Formula One, hats off to FIA, hats off to people who actually believed in writing these regulations. Now I know it's only two races, a sample that we are looking at. You know, it's a very short sample. Uh, it could be argued that high speed circuit, DRS enabled, safety car enabled stuff. But the fact is, two drivers could go head to head in varied setups. You know, that Ferrari and mm. that Red Bull were differently set up. So again, I don't want to be I don't want to be the ones who will say yeah wow these rules are working but I can say whatever we've seen up until now it's it's time we be more positive about what's going to come ahead for the season. 
Yeah, and Leclerc and Verstappen as well, right? Give them a good car to battle and give them cars that can follow. And they will just paint a masterpiece as they have done so many times before. And this was just another classic with the racing psychology of the DRS zone, which is crazy, right? Because in Formula 1, you expect to be the person who wants to always be ahead. It's crazy right now that over here, we've seen two consecutive races where the drivers don't want to be the one ahead up first. It's crazy that how the whole pele up kind of philosophy that we have here in India has come up into the racing. But that joke aside... Uh, it's fun that Verstappen <laughs> won on track, on merit, with that amazing pass at the very end. It was like a crescendo, right? It was building up for such a long time. Why do you think he actually won it, Kunal? Because pace-wise, the two of them seem so similar. I think he won it down to his car setup. Not to say he won it down to his racing psychology, as you said, his ability to figure what Charles was doing and to, to react to it. Uh, and this is how I saw it, right? First... Uh, part of the battle when what we saw in Bahrain as well where Charles was playing with Max mm. that started to happen in Saudi Arabia as well you know Charles was breaking earlier into the into the final corner letting Max go taking DRS you know he was he was playing that game and for once I actually loved to watch Max Verstappen being played mm. by a driver because that's not usually we get to see that Okay, so here's Max, who, of course, races very differently against a Charles compared to, say, a Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. He was being played and he, he realized, oh, my God, I'm being played here. And then guess what? He played back. And it was what you said, Samuel. It was about, you know, that whole psychology of uh, Pele up or, you know, ladies first, as, as they would say, or, or not, not literal translation. But it's, yeah. saying, you know, why don't you take the why don't you go first? You know, that that uh, that uh, gentlemanliness, I would say. Right. And uh, that give us such such an exciting, exciting battle. And uh, I think the one place where Max really won it was down to set up. The Red Bulls uh, were set up with uh, lower downforce. So they were like a rocket ship uh, on um, on the straights. And that's what Max probably knew as well. I need to just get ahead of Charles and then get that, you know, Red Bull powertrain unit to just give me the, the power that I need. And then my setup will aid me to just pull away. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. And that's what Charles was trying to not uh, let uh, Max go as well. Because all along the weekend, we knew that the, the Ferraris were faster in the corners, whereas the Red Bulls were quicker in the straights. Yeah, and this sort of helps you to follow, right? Because if you know that your car is better in the straights, you just hope that you can stay along with the other car in the corners, which we've seen so often in MotoGP because their bikes, they don't really have that wake problem. So you often end up seeing this between a Ducati and a Yamaha where they just always... The Ducati's job is just to stay with the Yamaha on the corners and then when the straight comes up, they just blast past. This is just a simple rule of racing. One car faster on the straights, <laughs> one car faster on the corners. The recipe is always going to be fun. But we also saw something very similar like this with the Alpine Skunal. <laughs> and I know it's not uh, in terms of the uh, order of it, not the next thing we should ideally talk about because Alpine's finished way down and Alonso didn't really finish at all. But come on, come on. That, that, that just kind of feeds into the whole argument that these cars can race. I mean, sometimes even cars that belong to the same team. That, that got too hairy for me. It was too hairy. I can only imagine what Otmar was going through as well. Uh, I love it. He actually it when, showed you that, know, you know. He, he was breaking his head, yeah. literally. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's, he's faced Ocon before. He, he was, you know, at Ocon at, uh, when he was, a, he was a team principal <laughs> at Racing Point where, and Force India when Ocon was racing there. He knows Ocon can be a tough teammate as well. We saw all those battles between Ocon and Perez when they came together. 
Uh, I'm glad they kept it clean. It was so good to see uh, Fernando Alonso in the battle as well. Uh, you know, the, the impression we all have is Alonso is like the best, the most complete driver, but uh, Ocon is standing his guard as we speak, right? Of course, Alonso yeah. had the had the retirement uh, uh, in the race, but I love the fact that they were able to fight. You know, I think the I mentioned that the race was of, a, you know, three or four highlight points, and one of the highlight points was Alpine's battling, and then Bottas, and then uh, Kevin Magnussen joining that battle as well. Because at yes. that point of time, you know, Perez was running away. The top four were just literally waiting to see what could happen. Like Christian Horner said post-race, you know, Max was looking after his tyres for attacking in the later half of the race. And that's exactly what happened. So in the first half, it was the midfield that was entertaining us. And I think they did a cracker of a job. I mean, there is so little to choose from them. There are almost three or four teams up there fighting all along somewhere. It was like every lap, there were positions just changing. And think of it, different cars, different design philosophies. They've all worked in the winter to just design something that's totally different. And still, they're all so closely bunched up between Haas, between Alfa Romeo, between dare I say, Alpine and Mercedes as well now, considering Hamilton and his performances. But let's really talk about that, because that was a shocker, Kunal. I, for once, couldn't believe that this was the same Hamilton. And that lady who came on the F1 broadcast, who was kind of put on and made world famous, totally agree that that expression just summed up everyone's expression. What was it? I, I suppose it has to be set up, right? Because Lewis Hamilton can't be that far back to Georgia, if it is. What kind of a shocker day has he had? I mean, what did he have for breakfast? <laughs> so you know, maybe maybe the wrong set of porridge. Maybe maybe the porridge that Bottas kept up last night, but it wasn't quite you know uh, fresh enough. Stale porridge. It was from Saudi Arabia last. You know, this reminds me. I remember South Korea uh-huh. when Formula One teams went back the next year. The fridges still had the sandwiches from the year before, right? And it's a great time be. to bring up South Korea. Yeah, that, that's that was that was that's what they found at that time, right? So the track was literally not accessed, not used whatsoever for that one year period. But anyway, this could be just hearsay or something. But uh, uh, but this is a story I was told, so that's why I'm narrating it. Anyway, so talking about South Korea, the last time Lewis Hamilton scored just a single point, a solitary point from a Grand Prix on merit, was 2010 South Korean Grand Prix. This stat is, oh, of course, gosh. courtesy F1 Stats Guru, which is Sundaram. He's, he's, he's fantastic with his stats. He also has turned up and said, this is Hamilton's worst start to a season ever. And, you know, contrastingly, uh, uh, 2021 was the best start to Hamilton's, uh, you know, season in Formula One ever. So that said, that's the stats. Now, this is what, again, I picked up uh, during uh, the race broadcasts. Uh, initially, when qualifying happened, Mercedes, uh, of course, uh, said on the F1 uh, app uh, that, uh, you know, neither of the drivers had too, too many different setups. In fact, the drivers were probably running very similar setups is what they said. Mm. After qualifying, Toto Wolf turned around and said, we were trying something radical with Lewis's car and it mm. did not work. And one doesn't know what the truth is, but, you know, is this the team coming up and just backing the driver saying we tried something different? Uh, or, or or is it just that 
you know lewis had a bad day which you know everybody is uh, you know is is uh, everybody can have a bad day because yeah. if you guys remember in bahrain qualifying it was george russell who had tried something radical at that time and then he of course had a bad qualifying session as well so uh, truth be told lots to dig lots to uh, unhurt from Mercedes's package and Mercedes's design philosophy uh and also you know down to is their power unit not up to the mark compared to the alpines and even mm. the the honda and the ferrari power units because we had a drag race between alpine uh and uh, lando norris so the alpine uh, renault powered alpine of esteban ocon and then um, the mercedes powered uh, mclaren of lando norris on on the final uh, straight uh, on the last lap and ocon actually pipped uh lando norris to to that position and uh, you know questions this of course reminded me of when pierre gasly out dragged exactly. lewis hamilton in brazil a couple of years ago as well so interesting times ahead you know we've seen uh, charles and uh, max they belong to the same generation it would be one hell of a challenge for formula 1 uh, to try and see how lewis can join that battle as well because lewis you know always says i want to show these young guns i still have it in me and if we have a three way fight it would be epic sombel and this goes to what you said uh, you know in when we were preparing there are actually four drivers capable of fighting for uh, you know race wins at this moment uh, in in the 2022 formula 1 season yeah you're right because sergio perez if you come to think of it he didn't really have a bad day on his own right his performance was superb especially on saturday when you come to think of how many races it's been since he's actually taken pole position that must be say over 200 because maybe sometime in his junior career 250 is the exact number in f1 but there must be a few races before in his junior career as well so ridiculous to see how that happened but again perez had the pace carlos sainz has always been there or thereabouts so maybe we just were looking for him to just kind of step up to the next level but it's fantastic that we have focus and it's fantastic in the midfield as well that there are so many teams fighting in constantly just going head to head and putting up these amazing shows just like the one that we discussed earlier on like uh, the final lap battle but Mick Schumacher also could not let's just quickly mention him because now that we've spoken about Saturday Sergio Perez great to see him fit great to see him all right and kind of fair that Haas decided not to race him because of course they have to look for the long run right and Melbourne is going to be their focus but otherwise apart from Mick as well there are so many other big stories and reliability i am just confused why did we see almost every car in the midfield fail in that and also just within 5 minutes <laughs> we were all just shocked is this done three or four cars gone within a couple of minutes here and there yeah it was you know every power unit manufacturer had one car failure at least so yeah. i think red bull have decided either we have cars retire on the sighting lap or the reconnaissance lap of the race <laughs> or in the last couple of laps of the race we cannot have cars retire in the middle of the race right because that's what happened to you poor yuki sonoda i would say uh then we saw fernando alonso have a problem valtteri bottas have a problem and then daniel ricardo have a problem so reliability is still a challenge i'm glad that both the red bulls could finish the the race and uh you know it's of course my heart just goes out to checo perez i you know i i know we we spoke about uh, it before i know we spoke about the dummy but here's one piece of data which i'm digging with sundaram and the puzzling part of perez's uh, pit stop Uh, was of course first he had bad luck during the safety car and you can't do anything about that but the puzzling part is and there are two points here first is 
his lap times were not any drastically slower than his lap times before he pitted. So when you count five or six laps before he pitted, of course, there was a downward trend, but it wasn't a nose dive. In fact, Charles Leclerc similarly had slower laps as well. So that's point number one. Point number two, that it is Checo Perez. He's the master of tire management. Okay. And it just puzzles me that Red Bull, it seemed like they almost had no plan in place if... Checo literally kept the lead and kept running the way he did and, you know, lead the race on merit. Yeah, but that's that's kind of strange to think about it, isn't it? Because we all know that Max is the primary main gun, but I, I thought that Red Bull would respond maybe a bit more proactively if that's the case, right? Because, I mean, of course, they, they did get kind of uh, robbed in a way because of the safety car with Sergio Perez, that is. But I thought perhaps that maybe Sergio could do something different and do something else in the other part of the race. But that's strange to see how things have just piled up for him. But at least we know that he can race. And, and that is maybe a very, very encouraging sign all the way through, right? To see that this can potentially happen. And the way the race has shaped up, right? The safety car. And there's this running joke that's going wrong now about Nicholas Satifi and how he's just become the wild card in the world of Formula 1. That whenever you need some sort of drama, just, just throw in a Nicholas Satifi crash. Kind of similar to what we saw in qualifying as well, didn't we? Because Q1 was getting slightly dull. Oh, yeah, we want fun. Why don't we throw a Nicholas Atrefi crash? Just, I don't even know what's happening. He is uh, not even fast, unfortunately, because of the Williams, but he's also being outclassed by his teammate, but also messy. So, tough luck for him. Did you just really say he's not fast, really, because of the Williams? Because uh, I, I was trying to I keep suspect, it subtle. <laughs> yeah, I realize, you know, <laughs> Ralph Schumacher said Lance Stroll is like a hobby driver. He should go pick another hobby. Maybe there should be another driver that, uh, you know, we should uh, add to that list as well, which would be Nicolas Latifi. Again, the number of miles he's had in the Formula One car in test and now in in uh, in uh, race uh, race trim as well, just mm-hmm. doesn't do any merit to what he's able to pull out as results, right? And uh, yes, he's become a, a meme now that if you want Max Verstappen to win the race under a safety car on the final lap of the race or something, just get Nicolas Latifi to do some uh, of his off-track antics. But no, on a serious note, it just seems that he ran out of talent. That's I know you're being subtle and I know oh. I'm not. But but that's oh. also the <laughs> amount of airtime I'd like to give Latifi on, on our show. I think we should just move on. I, thank you for the entertainment, but... Oh my God! What are you doing with that opportunity you've got, my friend? <laughs> okay, let's let's do something similar to another similar driver, Lance Stroll. Kunal, I know you were very interested in discussing this point, but he got beaten by Nico Hulkenberg again. Ah, oh, I mean, it's not like it's a can, surprise, but come on. Can you believe it? In Bahrain, I think Hulkenberg yeah. beat him in qualifying, and in Saudi Arabia, Hulkenberg beat him in the race. And this, mind you, of course, you know, the safety car that came out uh, came out at such a bad time that uh, drivers like Hulkenberg and uh, I think it was uh, also Lewis Hamilton, the ones who started mm-hmm. on the hards, actually got done in because, you know, they just didn't end up pitting during the safety car period while exactly. others did. Anyway, that's the point is Hulkenberg actually said, I had a clean race. I'm happy with what happened, even though he didn't score a point. Because, you know, races like these keep showing why he should be in Formula 1. Exactly. Man, 
the thing with him is you never know when it's going to be the last race, right? And that's going to be a bit of a stinger. Who knows? He might just come back. But yeah, if this is the last performance, kind of, uh, kind of representative, right? That he ended up beating someone with barely any practice. So that's just the talent of the man, all things considered. But otherwise, as well in the midfield, you know, Pierre Gasly apparently was having a very, 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 very bad day. No, I mean, I just realized now before recording when he told me. That he had some intestinal, intestinal, if that's even a thing, in issues with his intestine, and and that's not like the intestine of the car. That's like his own intestine. That that's just scary to think about it. Yeah, he actually said the toughest race of his career yet because you know last ten twelve laps he had some pain in his intestines, is what he said, and then he was just holding on uh, to sort of make sure he gets through to the finish. So hats off to him for pulling through that one as well. Uh, I'm sure this race is also physically very tough on the drivers. The walls are closed. It's yeah. high speed, and uh, and and so on. So it's it's good that because I I still remember Charles Leclerc last year said I feel dizzy. This is what he said some point of time through the middle mm. of the race. But uh, the good thing is that at least it's uh, we know that it didn't lead to anything major, and that he was sort of okay when uh, when things came uh, calling towards the checkered flag sample. Yeah, exactly. That could have been scary, right? I mean, imagine if you've got so much of pain and you end up crashing and all that stuff. Uh, that's that's not very good to think about. But finally, Gunal, we have to discuss this one really crazy thing as well. Hamilton. Hamilton finishing P10. I don't know. I still can't digest it properly because of all that happened eventually. He, I mean, I think he really didn't say, is there even a point for P10, didn't he? Or something along those lines, right? He he actually said, is there even a point that we get for finishing P10? Which I know oh. he was being sarcastic, but I think that's a little too harsh with what happened, uh, you know, with Mercedes. Because uh, all things said and done, if George Russell could finish uh, best of the rest, uh, I'm sure Hamilton could have done that at least or a little more. And, you know, uh, Mercedes are off the pace. They finished 30 seconds down on the lead uh, pair, about 20 seconds ahead of uh, the next best. So there's, again, in that whole Red Bull uh, area where Red Bull was a few years ago when Ferrari and uh, Mercedes were sort of fighting, I would mm. say. So a little little unfortunate that, uh, you know, they're down where they are. But Lewis's message was definitely, it seemed to me, more than sarcasm, it seemed a little, little brutal, a little too blunt, I would say. Should F1 really go back here? I, I mean, they, they said that they will focus on a more sustainable option, but hmm, don't think they will. WWE came back when they were held hostage, so yeah. Well, money talks, cash is king, as Lewis Hamilton said. The the key point here in the whole missile thing and the drivers having a four hour plus meeting, understanding what their options were, is if uh, the return of Formula One team personnel was actually at stake or the safe return was not possible, mm. then it's a very scary place to be in the first place. Then you're literally uh, a slave to the money that's being paid, right? And uh, knowing the values, the, the the ethos that Formula One, you know, operates on and the environment it operates on. I'm not really sure that's what a lot of drivers would be comfortable with. So even if Formula One comes back, uh, I don't know how uh, the drivers would, you know, like to be told that, hey, if you go there, you cannot get out till you finish the race on Sunday. And uh, 
you know, that's uh, the way I put it is, unfortunately, that's just what could happen in a country that's a kingdom. And there is, I'm not going to finish the statement. Okay, you get the gist. <laughs> oh, man. But, but what are your thoughts, folks? What are your thoughts on this whole situation should everyone raise? And what are your thoughts on the weekend as a whole? We've expressed ours, and I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode because that's all we've got for you here today. But thank you for listening, folks. Thank you for watching. And in case you want to share your thoughts with us, which we'll be glad to listen to, just follow us on social media. Check out the links in the description below, and we can keep that conversation going all the way through. So thanks for watching, thanks for listening, and see you for the Melbourne GP preview in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.